<laughs> in a baptismal. Besides that, <laughs> it was literally born there. <laughs> Did you? I, I just talked over you. Did you say in a world? <laughs> I said in rural Alabama, oh, but I was thinking. In rural. <laughs> <laughs> I could see. Okay, so being a little buzz, rural and world. Being a little buzz. Yeah, sure. Especially if you got that southern drawl. Hey guys, <clears throat> Jeff Pearson, Zach Crater, Scott S- Holbert, Scott Holbert, mm-hmm. Scott the Scooter Holbert. How about them Dodgers? <laughs> it's great, Man, terrific. I kind of, kind of not glad that they made it because you now I'm tempted to go to another game. <laughs> another another eight hundred thousand dollars. Fantastic World Series terrible. though, Boston L.A. This is the dream matchup for uh, everybody selling a- advertisements. <laughs> It's terrible way to look definitely at it. Definitely for whoever the who's the commissioner now. I said still Selig or he gone. He's dead. He's dead. Did you Wait, say that? Sense he, he gone. He gone. <laughs> who's that referencing? That's a baseball reference too, right? The White Sox or isn't that the, the White Sox? He, he gone. Yes. Oh, <laughs> like maybe stealing a base. The White Sox and also uh, Duck Dynasty. Uh, okay. May they rest in peace. No, they're still ticking. Or are they blowing those duck calls? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, you have us here for 10 minutes before we talk to Steve Austin. Of Rose <laughs> that quacks me up, Zach. <laughs> oh, Scott, you're ready to be a dad. Okay, so I have some confessions to make. Okay. Uh, you looked at porn. N- no. Um, yes, no. <laughs> okay, we'll get to that later. Over the, over the last... I get uh, probably over the last two or three years. Did I mention this about just being lost and not really uh, in fits and spurts? Yeah, if I could say that, it comes out like but not after recently. The fact. Occasionally, I'll say, "Dude, are you okay?" It seems like something's going on, and you say, "I'm fine." And then later on, you're like, uh, "You know, I'm kind of I don't know, right?" Yeah, maybe. <sighs> to take a quote from Scott, the uh, 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 <laughs> hey. How dare you? But I I want you guys to know that the last podcast, I was actually prepared to come and say, hey, Zach, Scott, I'm done. I've been waiting for that. Wait, let me say that less <laughs> enthusiastically. <laughs> really? So you want this one to be your last? No. Uh, no. And I, so I really took priority of like, what is life giving? And, and I prioritized everything and like, I'm. Like when I do the podcast, it's not life giving. Um, and I think I, I lost myself in the podcast and just not being schooled in, you know, the Bible and talk about biblical references. But ultimately, I ended up just being the, uh, you know, chime in with a joke, or maybe we had, you know, we're talking about something and I, 
you know, it's self-deprecating humor, but ultimately, or telling you, Scott, that, you know, when are you going to accept Christ? <clears throat> that's very encouraging. Other deprecating. Still true. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> I guess uh, um, to make a long story longer, I, I was, I really thought or you know as of our last podcast before i before i came i i thought um you know i'm done because it's it's like a waste of a couple hours of my life where it where i'm like draining a little bit of my energy but ultimately i'm not being the person that i want to be and then we had the interview with um our three time brandon andrus yeah, brandon andrus and Brandon Andrus saved me. Um, Praise Brandon. Well, that's the last time he's on this show. <laughs> but I <laughs> am I right, Zach? But I thought, I thought it's it's the it's the guest that I'm really life giving for me is like hearing people's stories and hearing the challenges and you know what how they're responding, how God's leading them through that. Are they leading them through that? Because last three years like i have just i kind of i didn't disconnect from god but i certainly wasn't really following consistently and and i i was able to just tell myself and this is kind of a little bit of reading steve austin's first chapter um that we're about to hear catching your breath yeah um that i was really holding a whole lot in and I'm going to grind it out until, you know, it's good and then I'll be through it. Um, and that's in like many facets of my life, but ultimately I'm like, why am I acting the way I'm acting in the podcast? Because it's life. It's not life giving because of how I'm acting, but why is the podcast driving me to act that way? And also, if I can interrupt too late. I no, go. Also, there's a lot of things going on here. <laughs> We've been talking about like having a podcast meeting, and this is it. We're doing it on the podcast. <laughs> um, you, How you feel about yourself, it, like you started it with, like you don't have the knowledge of the Bible. You're right. like discounting yourself. Like you don't have as much to offer, or you check out when Scott and I are doing certain things, because is that like a confidence thing, or you don't? you feel like you are, you have a lack to give. You don't have something to actually give when it comes to that stuff. Well, uh, I totally understand where you're coming from. And part of that, yes, was, Hey, I don't understand or I actually don't, I just don't understand why you guys argue. You'd be forgiven for just glazing over at (laughs) some of our conversations and being like, dude, you guys, like, even if you understood or you think you understand more than you let on. Well, so we had this men's boot camp this uh, last week and during one of the evenings everything was over and I went into a room and there was like eight guys sitting around the fire and they were talking uh, you know these guys were this guy was telling a story and it was it was tragic and it was just riddled with pain and and I'm like my goodness listening to this is I'm glad I'm here. I walked in, I'm hearing this story. And then I find out that I only heard like 25% of the story and it's even worse than, you know, what I'm hearing. However, like he's walking through this life, um, 
just finding the grit or the, you know, God and like, please just get me through this. But after that, they were telling a story, him and his, him and a buddy went somewhere, um, like to the Himalayas and they were telling the story of them in the Himalayas. (laughs) It was just, it was a crazy, funny story. And, but I'm, they told a story. I'm like, okay, this is interesting, but now we're not on like the, like how we tell our story. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, I'm checking out. And then I actually got up and asked our friend, um, Andy, um, Hey, is this, what, what was before this and what comes after? Cause I was thinking when I walked in that then another guy would get up and tell his story and like, this would be a really good, like whether it's created a vulnerable moment, but I'm like, okay, I'm leaving. Like I'm telling myself, like I'm checked out because none, like this is not life giving. And if we're going to just tell stories of things that we do, great. But if it's not, if it, if it's not like the story that really where God is, and it's not like some, somebody's story in the Himalayas isn't like where God is because he's always with us, but just the idea of the, the actual stuff below the surface. And, and so that's, that's kind of where I am when I'm like, I want to, I want a guest. I want us to have a guest. I want us to interview a guest. I want to hear the story. Like, why'd you, why'd you write this? Like what the pain that you're talking about, like, where did that come from? Yeah. That's always where I'm at. So when I hear you guys talk about Bible verses and argue about them, I'm like, why are you arguing about Bible verses? Like, why are you arguing about the definition or not the definition, but your well, we do that. translation uh, of, or interpretation, sorry, interpretation. So you're learning. By the way. So could you guys ask, answer that for me? Like, why do you argue about interpretation because so much? Because what you believe affects how you live your life. It, yeah, at least it, it should. And yeah. so it, if you're not living your life a certain way, but you're saying you believe a certain thing, it means you don't believe it, at least not at that moment. Like if my daughter says, there's no monsters. I know there's no monsters in my closet, but she's riddled with fear at night. She's actually betraying what she actually believes. Right now, she believes there's monsters in the closet. Um, and in this is, instance, Scott is my daughter. And God, I'm just kidding. I was going to say, Daddy, <laughs> what was that noise coming from the bedroom last night? That was actual monsters. <laughs> oh, the monster was. Okay. But Jeff, I actually think, so we can expect you to not show up when there's no guests, just Scott and I, then, or maybe we'll find out later. <laughs> Tune in next week to find out if Jeff is gone. <laughs> but I think I w- would want to affirm you unashamedly using language like that in that when Scott are going and you are checked in, uh, Steve Austin just pinged us. Okay. We're about to call him in a couple minutes. Um, when you are tu- tuned in, you actually keep Scott and I on track and say, hey, what how, what is that doing for you right now, like in your real life? That's like, good. Those are your best moments. And so assuming you remain on the podcast... Well, hold on. The problem yeah. is Scott will dismiss like... Hey, we're talking here. Oh, it's heat like, of the moment. Don't don't cut us off. Later on, he'll apologize. It's better to ask for forgiveness. Yeah, I don't, I don't apologize. Yeah, uh, no, I'm a glass half full kind of guy. Well, I'm a cake. So I, so the same, um, that same idea where you 
kind of your let's say default position is you want to hear story and the meaning of that and how it how it affects people i have my default is doctrine what are, what are people saying about their about god they're they're saying they're christians okay what are what are they saying about, about that <coughs> to, to me that is vital no, I, i'm not it. opposed to story um but yeah tell stories and sure go ahead um and i'll listen but um, when someone makes a, a statement that I think is um, wrong, I'm going to say something. Um, what would Jesus do if he, someone made a, what you call a wrong statement? He uh, oh pretty gosh. much almost always corrected him. In what way? In many ways. Did he make him think about it with a question? Did uh, yeah. he tell him you're wrong? When the yeah. correction happened, it didn't come, it wasn't at centers generally. It was uh, towards the religious elite. <laughs> and now we just had, that's a can of worms that's not getting opened. Well, but, but what is because that? Because Steve but Austin. You're put, you know, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow, Scott, that was good. Did that kill you well, a little bit? Stopping well, it's right, just, just like it, that? It's, uh, it's the same kind of thing, like, like, uh, these people you, have been discussed. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> you just made me seem like a dick, and I am. I was in that moment. Good, but I'm curious because <laughs> normally I normally I, I cut people. <laughs> so go ahead. what you said, go ahead, was like go ahead, asshole, <laughs> and you're correct. But do you think? Now I lost it. <laughs> okay. Totally worth it. So I love you guys. I love you guys. Uh, genuinely, I love you guys. And and yes, happy birthday, Scott, last week. Oh, it was thank genuine. You. Thank you. Um, but the point that I'm trying to make is, I mean, I want to have conversations with you guys. And I want to hear people around the world, their story, come on our podcast. And then we come from you know, these three different perspectives. And I had a, a, a listener give me feedback and he's like, you guys are best when you are, you have a guest and you just, you bounce your, your lens off that person and then they respond and it's really good. The conversation's always flowing and it's insightful from all three of us. And, and that's a good thing. It's when there's just arguing back and forth about stuff that, you know it can it can drag in his opinion it was like uh it's well, kinda, a lot of times when we record just the three of us we don't have a lot of planning and so right. it's really just like a hey let's just start talking and see what happens right. so planning could help yeah well and, and we could get better at arguing if if i think we have actually if like we we know if we know there's a disagreement let's in, instead of uh what if we don't know but we keep disagreeing scott let, let's let's stop shunning away from arguing, and let's embrace it and say, okay, well, these are your points. Yeah, these are your points. And these are you my points. Okay, what's the difference, and what what's the consequences? Uh, what are the consequences of each person's ideas? And do that instead of. I think last time it when was you say you what yaw- the, like you started yawning. Oh, ten you, seconds. <laughs> what do you mean the cons- What do you mean the consequences? Well, why does there? Why? Yeah. Why can't Zach be right and you be right in where you're at? But, well, th- that would be so from a logical perspective. Don't get hung up on that. <laughs> Don't get hum- hung up on logic. Okay. <laughs> no, but I'm serious. What? Why? What Jeff is trying to say? I think. Oh, thanks. Zach. Correct me. <laughs> why can't he just so answer I my get question? The asshole oh, sorry. No, Zach, will, Zach is going. I'll tell you what you think. 
<laughs> Scott, why can't Zach be right and you be right with where you're at right now? And just let me have an opinion, Scott, for once. Well, I, I um, <laughs> if uh, so, if logically, you both both if you're saying opposite things, you can't both be right. But from a theological perspective, there are consequences for what you believe. So, if you believe that Jesus did not need to die for your, for your sins to for for people to be forgiven, there are consequences to that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not laughing at your comment. Well, and, this has been about Jeff just walked out. I mean, do you understand? <laughs> and 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 if you, I mean, really, people have been. But you're ultimately setting up that you have the right interpretation, and you would say, "Well, you know, let me dig into that more, and I'll make sure I well, come no, back well, we, and like I have something any, else." Well, th- well, then if if I make a statement, if someone wants to take the position that their view doesn't have to be right, well, then don't respond. But once Wait you respond, second, but so, once you respond, you're in the same. <laughs> this is so funny. What, you guys that are we're arguing. No, what, what, once you. How I, are you falling for this, Jeff? Once, this is I'm not. Me. I'm not. I once really. Scott's, this isn't like ten minutes long. But once Scott's the person, once the person responds, still love you. We're in the same. We're in the same boat. So you, it's not just me thinking that my interpretation is right. They're responding to me. I make a statement back. They make a statement back. So <sighs> it's we're, we're both doing the same thing. If they want to take the position that, well, they don't have to be right or, I or gotcha. they're open, well, then stop. Don't right. respond. No, okay. that's kind of, but, but don't, don't just point, point at me and go, why do you have to be right? Well, no, I, I'm, just, I'm making my, my view. No, I'm you're, my you're view. clarifying that you are the, in the right. And if you're not, you'll go back and, and find something in doctrine that shows whether, you know, okay, maybe I was a little off, but this is it. Well, I hope I do that if I was a little right, off. Right, sure. but. I'm not so sure that it matters. What? Well, and on that we note, have to talk about we're going to read one tweet <laughs> before we get to Steve Austin, author go. of Catching Your Breath, out now and available for 99 cents on Kindle, or you can buy the book. Zach, hold on, let me catch my breath. <laughs> Thank you. There's one tweet. We don't have. We're not going to do feedback, but do send feedback to Bros Bibles Beer at Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook. Rate and review us on iTunes. And whatnot, but we did get a tweet. Oh, by the way, stick around. Uh, one of us, myself or Scott, will be shooting himself at the end of this episode. <laughs> I'm not sure that's funny, given the context. How dare you? Um, we all have our jukebox here. This is from Godspeed Podcast. Hi, Godspeed at Godspeed Pod. Hey. Uh, we all have our jukebox heroes, but who are your podcasting heroes? Please tag here. We need inspiration. Ryan Pottle or Potley. It's probably Pottle. He is one of the co-hosts of Godspeed Podcast. Huh. He said Zach from At Bros Bibles Beer. Wow. Which made my night. Yeah. And then Jameson, who's the other co-host of Godspeed, nice. said, I'm more of a Jeff guy myself. Wow. Jeff. Man. And he said Jeff does of... have an odd appeal to him. Yeah. That is odd. But... Next time, maybe Scott will get thrown a bone. No, probably not. No, it usually comes in. I hate to agree with Scott, but those, those, that's what I'm after. That affirms you. I don't care if you like me. We'll call him Steve. Well, let's see. I can turn this on, but I'm going to be really dark. I'm sitting on the back porch. Do it. That's okay. Yeah, I mean, like totally dark. That's the blackness. (laughs) (laughs) It's 8:30 here, gentlemen. 
it's fun. And the sun doesn't come up in your living room or your basement. <laughs> I am on the back patio. My kids are itty bitty and they're upstairs asleep. I totally so. understand. <laughs> yeah. How are you guys doing? Oh man, so yeah. good. You're right. We, we were, you and I were texting back and forth a couple of times while we were having a little intro conversation and uh, I was stumbling all over the keyboard. So that <laughs> <laughs> you're like, you're already drunk texting. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but I, I do want to say right off the bat that seeing my calendar and preparing for this, I'm thinking, man, Steve Austin, it's going to be good to talk to him again. But we've never talked. I, I just have no. enough familiarity <laughs> about you know a little, little bit of online interaction and then hearing you on a bunch of podcasts. It was just it felt natural, like oh, Steve's coming back on. But yep. nope. And I mentioned yeah, and I mentioned to Zach today. I'm like, okay, I think he's mentioned your name a, a few times. Just dropping your name. And right. he has, so I, te- I uh, sent the guys a message. I'm like, we've had Steve on, this is multiple times, right? We, we've like, why is his name familiar? <laughs> so, but how funny! It's good to finally have you on. Well, it feels familiar to me too because I seem to always be following Brandon Andrus. So <laughs> <laughs> here we are. <laughs> follow Brandon, follow Bros Bibles and Mirror. Is that a tough <laughs> tough follow for you, or do you think you can you handle what? it? That's a great guy to follow. What a great, great dude. He's a yeah. good friend. Yeah. Yeah, he is. Yeah. So his book just dropped, and your book just dropped. Actually, today. I'm gonna, hopefully this will be out in a day or two. But uh, yeah, it's out. How does it feel for you? You know, it is, uh, it's incredibly exciting. It's a little bit of a relief. It's, you know, it's hard work. This is my fourth book. Um, and it sounds sort of disingenuous to the journey, but it feels like my first real book. (laughs) It's the first book that I have, um, hired professionals to do all the things. So hired, a professional editor rather than doing it myself, hired a cover designer, um, you know, paid people to do all the stuff so that it feels like a book you'd go get from Barnes and Noble. And that's, that's really exciting. That's got to feel so, good. Yeah, it does. It feels good. It's, uh, it's a relief. It's been an incredibly successful day. I'm talking to you guys the end of launch day and, uh, it's been very successful. So I'm, I'm thrilled and honored by all the support and, uh, I can't Excellent. wait for some, yeah, some feedback to come in from from readers and hear how it's helping them. That's always the goal. Well, I just first chapter uh, had my iPhone tell <laughs> read the first <laughs> chapter to me. I'm in my car highlighting the whole first chapter, oh, <laughs> almost that's... almost crashing, and uh, <laughs> I'm like, I've got to get this whole thing. And then like, okay, speak oh. speak to me, iPhone and. <laughs> Prius drivers, man, I think they own the road. <laughs> it was, it was good. So you're going to get feedback from me eventually on this episode. Good, good, good. By the way, this is not uh, not a surprise to us. Him working on his phone uh, while he's driving. Do you do fantasy sports, fantasy football, baseball, basketball, anything? I know nothing about sports ball, gentlemen. Nothing. Sports ball. Well, that's good because yep. usually they use balls. So that, that yeah, works. yeah, Usually. but I've yeah. gotten, for those that know, I've gotten trades, trade offers, um, w- during a time where I'm like, wait, aren't you driving to work right now? This is from Jeff, right? From Jeff. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. While he's driving to work on the 91, <laughs> sending me trade offers and negotiating it's via text. I got priorities. <laughs> I just can't stop. <laughs> and it's not your life. Apparently. <laughs> I can't stop trivial things while I'm driving and life's on the line. I yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, one of your, I don't remember. I'm gonna try that sentence again. I don't Double remember the nation, like the exact order of your books, but the, one of the previous ones was your story about um, from pastor to the psych ward. Yep, that's my first book. Is that your first book? Yeah. And I know yep. you've told that story a bunch, but I know that uh, the more portion of uh, the bigger portion of our audience has never heard like how you ended up in the psych ward, your suicide attempt, sure. which you outline a little bit in this book and then previous books. But do you mind talking a little bit about that? Not at all. No, I think it's an introduction that sort of begs to be told. Um, you know, that first book that where they're different is this, um, that first book is very um, Jesus-centric and all about mental health and suicide prevention. So, um, you know, I, I live my life at the intersection of Christianity and mental health. And so it is all about my journey as, um, as sort of a church rat, you know, born in the baptismal, grew up in church all my life, did the Bible college thing. Uh, was a youth pastor and a worship leader and uh, in paid ministry for about a decade. What was the strain and, of Christianity? Strain makes it sound like a disease, but... Doesn't it? I like it. <laughs> I kind of do too. I didn't think about that before. I um, So I grew up in the assemblies of God. So all the, the Holy Ghost and miracles and speaking in tongues and all that good stuff. And uh, then I was a Southern Baptist youth pastor. So, um, a little bit of both. Did you ever speak uh, in tongues? Oh yeah, man. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Shamalama ding dong. Yeah. I was in that world for, um, my gosh, 20 years. I never have. Yeah. It's, uh, it's an adventure. It's, it's an experience. <laughs> yeah. You said born in a baptismal. Um, it was a joke. <clears throat> oh, okay. Good. <laughs> Actually, in the move towards more natural births, there's water births at home. I could see that. You want to sure. just take it, just get the baby taken yeah, care of right I mean, away. Just drop right in the hole. You don't want to leave yeah. the service. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I um, so I, church and Christianity and faith, that was my the whole world. Um, but I was also a victim of childhood sexual abuse, um, as a preschooler. And so living with undiagnosed, untreated, um, PTSD and depression and anxiety. Um, and I lived in a world where Jesus was just supposed to fix it. You're just supposed to have enough faith and read your Bible enough and pray hard enough and go to the altar enough times. And the pastor lay hands on you hard enough that you fall down, you know, and Jesus would just fix it. And um, that was not the case for me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I don't want to discount anybody else's experience. I think that miracles can happen. But I, I think they're called miracles for a reason because they rarely happen. And so at the age of um, 29, I was a youth pastor, a worship pastor. I've uh, been married several years. Uh, had, we had a baby that was going to turn a year old uh, in just a couple days. And I couldn't take the pressure anymore. I was having flashbacks and just anxiety through the roof, um, depression so bad that I didn't want to get out of bed. And I, the shame of all of that, plus the mental health issues that were going on, um, I said, you know, it would be better for my family if I just disappeared. 
it would be easier. My wife's, you know, 27 at the time. Um, she's young. She's beautiful. She could remarry. She could start over. This oh, baby's God. a year old. He'll never remember me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you look into suicide prevention and you look into factors and triggers and all of those things, feeling like a burden on your family is one of the number one contributing factors. And, um, so that was sort of the straw that, that nearly did me in just saying, you know what, I, it would, I would be doing them a favor. It's like, you're not just dismiss yourself and they'll be better off for it. Yeah. And you go, you know, like anybody, <laughs> like any sane person says like, that makes no sense. You know, yeah. that's, that's not rational. And, and you're right. Yeah. Suicide's not rational. Um, getting to that point, it, it is totally irrational, but it seems to be the only answer at the time. And you say, man, I can't imagine getting to the point where you want to die. Yeah. I didn't want to die, <laughs> but I didn't want to live through that hell. Either. Right. Yeah. A lot of, if I can jump in a little bit when, um, yeah. and you, you mentioned, um, Rick Warren's son mm-hmm. in, in your book and how he killed himself. And I, Every time somebody like that, that's a little bit on the radar, kills themselves, like there's a, a reaction that I used to have personally, which is almost like, how could they? It's like, especially when they have a family and kids like you, Yeah, it's, uh, they don't see, they see the illogic of it from their perspective, but to be in somebody's shoes where you're making, you almost have your own separate logic. Well, and I actually don't know, I'm guessing. But somebody that wants to kill themselves, people that actually kill themselves, there's like this internal logic that it makes sense. The fam, this is better for the family, like you said. Yeah. Like, like it's not the selfish from their perspective. It's le- it's more selfless than selfish. Maybe does that make any yep. sense? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, people who have never walked through it. Um, either themselves personally or with someone that they care about. Um, you know, that's one of the first things you want to say is, oh, what a, you know, what a selfish thing. Um, and that's, it's not fair. I understand the thinking from someone who's not suicidal. Um, but it's, it's just really not a fair assumption. If you are living with a mental illness, your brain is not wired like the typical person. And so, yeah, you, when you are so desperate that you're willing to, you know, down these bottles of pills or put yourself to sleep in a car. Is that what it was for you? Pills? uh, Yeah, for me it was pills. Um, But when you're that desperate, it doesn't feel selfish. It feels like I, I just want this pain to end. Um, it's sort of similar to like people who cut, um, people who are cutters, uh, parents, when they have a child who's a cutter will say, what do they do? Why would you, why would you cause that pain to yourself? Why would you slice up your arms or your legs or whatever they're doing? And the way I describe it is you have a, a kettle of water on the stove and you turn the heat up. And it starts to simmer, and it's getting hotter and hotter and hotter, and eventually it's boiling, and then eventually it's screaming, right? That 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 shrieking scream is in your ears, and you just want to do anything to let off the pressure. And so 
cutting for them is is that it's letting off the pressure it doesn't make sense to anybody who's never lived through it but it's for them in their brain it says man this if i can somehow feel on the outside what i'm feeling on the inside or if i can let off a little bit of this pressure things will be better it makes no sense but that's the rationale wow so to move to move to take that last thought and move to your current book um mm-hmm. is is that something that you really held down held onto never expressed any of the things the tragedies that were going on in life yeah so again i grew up in a um faith a christian family very involved in church Jesus was the answer for everything. Um, my parents knew that I had been abused as a little boy, but we never talked about mm-hmm. it. And um, I, I also was um, addicted to porn for about 20 years. And as a teenager, went to my youth pastor and said, hey, I need help. Like, this is a serious problem. And he prayed for me, and that was it. There were – it was just always – heavily spiritual, but no practical resources, no, you know, no help in the real world to say, you know what, we are going to pray and I'm going to give you some verses and I'm going to check up on you. I'm going to hold you accountable. And we should probably start you on some therapy. You should probably go see a counselor. Here's a list of, you know, mental health resources, people that you can go to in the area. Um, that just didn't happen in the world that I grew up in. So I think I learned either, I don't know, either explicitly or implicitly, or maybe both, to just shut up, keep praying, and if I had quote-unquote problems, it was my fault. It was a lack of faith. Hmm. I was weak if I, had, if I was just Christian enough, and as I became older, if I was just man enough, if I was just husband enough, if I was just father enough, strong enough. Um, I wouldn't be dealing with this stuff. Yeah, and that's, suck it you know, up. Those, yeah, those are the lies that shame tells us. Just mm-hmm. suck it up. Vulnerability is weakness. And I'm, I'm, I was thinking about actually the, the idea of the Jesus Band-Aid or like just using prayer. And again, obviously the disclaimer, you already said it. Miracles happen. I've heard stories where it's like, man, it seems like there's something bigger going on, but I don't, I don't know. You just have to kind of trust people's experiences when they've had like breakthroughs that are unexplainable. Sure. But the, a lot of those people that want the, just the take the Jesus pill are the same people that would probably make fun of Christian scientists or, or uh, is it Jehovah's witnesses where, where they don't get certain medical, they don't go to the doctor for things because absolutely we, we see that as silly, but then we do it our, our, our own version of it or we, we have that danger yeah. of falling into our own version of that. Oh, yeah. I got an email this week. Um, you know, when you, when you have a story like mine and you're as open as I am about my story. Thank you for um, that. You get some crazy <laughs> emails. <laughs> and, um, man, I got an email uh, from a guy this week wanting to know, um, you know, if we – if if the problem today with mental health in the church is that men are not just manning up and dealing with it and praying and working through stuff and, and just praying harder and talking to each other and studying the word more and my gosh, I'm going oh, – and um, 
are they having, why are they not having MRIs or CAT scans? And why are they not having blood work done? Why are we just diagnosing somebody who's stressed out with anxiety or depression and giving them a pill? Those are the questions I get all the time. And it's like, man, I, I responded very kind. It was very short because I just, you know, it, <laughs> I'm not going to get into a fight with somebody, um, especially somebody who's not going to change the way they think. But I wanted to say, do you like, do you go have a blood test every time you have a headache and take a Tylenol? You know, uh, and, and would you say that to, I, I don't know, there's just so many things that we take medicine for today that's incredibly helpful, even if it's just for a season, but yet when it comes to something chronic and something invisible like mental health, boy, we can be really shameful even in the church and especially in the church, and that's heartbreaking. You know, part of it is pe- the unknown. People just don't know, like if they don't deal with mental health issues, then they they make assumptions, their their perspective is, you know, like Zach said, you know, suck it up or why don't you just change your ways or, you know, yeah. an easy yeah. solution. For the record, I was yeah. being sarcastic. Thanks, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but just just those crass words, um, yeah. I mean, not only are there damaging, but you, you're you just demonstrating Sometimes how much deadly. you don't know. Certainly. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's tough because it's just the eye of the beholder. I mean, and if you're not a part of it, you're not going through it, never experienced it, you really can't speak to it. Yeah, and it shows that there's a lack of real talk going on in our churches. Why mm-hmm. are we not talking about mental health? Why are we not talking about depression? Why are we not providing resources for our faith communities? Why aren't we talking about self-care? You know, why aren't we talking about addiction? All of these things, we we can do this really great little Mr. Rogers three-point sermon and you go home feeling good after being to a concert, but, but we're not talking about the things that are killing people in our pews week after week. Well, and so we, we need better education. And they're silent. Too. It's like this, it's a different version of the silent killer because oh yeah there's yep. like an assumption that we're oh, I got Jesus I'm I'm supposed to be set free or people are looking at me to be set free and so yep. you stifle what's really going on and you talk actually that leads me to one of my notes you talked about that as a pastor you were good at playing the game you knew the language um like what were some things that back like looking back now back then somebody that's in a position of leadership, let's just say, and, and is just pretending they're they're fronting their. It's an act because they're using. You, you mentioned you were dying inside, but you were still playing the game. Like, what's something that where somebody kind of recognizes that they're doing that? That what's a first step to help them get out of that? I wonder. Yeah. So there's there's a couple things. the The first step is to recognize it. The first step is to say, you know, I maybe I don't have the right lingo for this. Maybe I don't know exactly what to call this, but I'm not okay. That's the very first thing to say, you know what, something's not right here. Um, And the second thing is to say, I got to ask for help. So, So those first two steps are on that person. If they don't recognize that something's wrong, or if people around them in their inner circle don't recognize it and bring it to their attention, you know, in a compassionate way, um, you're sort of stuck. But once you realize that something's not okay here, you got to have the courage to say that and ask for help. So that's, I mean, that's, 
that sounds really basic, um, but that's man, that's scary as all get out when you're. You can say like, scary as fuck. I think you were thinking that. Oh, good. I was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is though. I, you know, it, my gosh. It, again, I, you know, not to beat a dead horse, but when that's your whole world, when when your all, paycheck is dependent on it, maybe. God, your paycheck is dependent on it. When and you're, heaven forbid, you're in a small town or a small church. For me, I was working in the high school full-time in the same town where I was the youth pastor and worship leader at the Baptist church part-time. And so, you know, and it's this tiny rural Alabama town where everybody knows everybody. And when you've always been the guy who, I think about Robin Williams, not that I'm a Robin Williams, but my gosh, here's this guy who's always up, always on, always funny, always smiling, always the one to make everybody else feel better. And in a much smaller role, that was me. I was that guy. And that guy tells himself or herself that you're not allowed to be down, that you're not allowed to have an off day, that you're not allowed to need people to cheer you up because you're everybody else's cheerleader. And so, yeah, it's, man, I think more than anything in the beginning – it's fighting the shame. It's fighting the shame. It's fighting the stigma. Um, if you can't go to your pastor, if you are scared to death to tell a family member or a friend, then you may have to go across town and find a counselor, find a psychologist, find a psychiatrist, get professional help from an unbiased third party that you're paying to care about you. If it's, you know, if it's bad enough, do that. It's mm. good advice. God, man. I, uh, just want to step back for a moment. We, you were talking about, you know, how the church could speak to, you know, mental health conditions and depression and, and, you know, why don't they talk about it more? Because, Mm -hmm. because it's depressing and exhausting. And I'm being, I'm honest when people come to church, if they were, so people have set up many people, probably a majority have set up their lives to cover, to cover up. And if they're reminded of, you know, the depression and exhaustion in people's lives, it becomes like, my gosh, if we keep talking about this. Yeah. They're looking for a boost. (laughs) They're going to church on Sunday for (laughs) a boost. Like give me fuel. I don't want to hear about, you know, the challenges of, you know, somebody's problems or addictions um, I've got my own problems. Uh, just fuel me up here. And and so, it. I mean, it might not be the only reason that it's not talked about, but I'm like, yes, this stuff has to be talked about. It needs to be out in the open to where people are free to, you know, speak the, the challenges in their life. And we've had people at the church um, speak to that, um, like yourself, just sharing right now and sharing with so many other people. And, you know, we've had um, a gentleman on our podcast who's, you know, spoken about that um, at length. And it was amazing. In fact, we probably had some of our best feedback um, because of that. And I'm like, if that's where, if if people rest in hearing about the real challenges, and then and maybe it's uncomfortable, and, you know, the church might even um, give a little survey <laughs> or just kind of feel out the audience. The audience is like, I didn't like that. It was really negative and made me feel bad. I'd be like, okay, so how about compassion for the uh, 
you know, the person who's struggling. I mean, does what does Jesus call us to do? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's like you're stuck between the the world that lives in the church and and Christ and dying on the cross, trying to set people free. And as a church body, or as a church, I mean, just in general, I think we just get stuck in wanting to make people the balance of wanting to make people happy mm-hmm. and feel good and fuel yeah. them up and yeah. talking about the real challenges in life. Um, and it does get talked about, I think, in, in many churches, but yeah, I, we, I totally get it. It was, Jeff, that was awesome. Can you re- reframe all of that in the form of a question? No. So I, what do you think? I want to get I want to get to Steve's I want to get to Steve's book and like the story here. Yeah. <laughs> I I want to get there too, but I do think we have to look at this. Okay, so I'm in Alabama, sure. the buckle of the Bible Belt. Roll Tide. Su- <laughs> Roll Tide. And suicides up from 1999 to 2016, suicides up 22%. Hmm. California, gentlemen, from 2001 to 2016 Fifty percent, five zero. Yeah, a lot of a lot of. Uh, I don't know about a lot. I don't know what the statistics are, but uh, in Orange County, um, suicide is the rate is actually high in the uh, white, uh, you know, upper middle class. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. You Man. can have all the money, yeah. all the Jesus, all the white, <laughs> all the yeah. success. All so the, mu- yeah. there's so much white, Steve. So much white, <laughs> but yeah, you can have all that and still be miserable as hell and want to die. Yeah, and yeah, maybe even the, I mean, not that it's worse, but trying to, knowing the expectations of a white middle-class male or anybody who lives in South Orange County, um, having a family, needing to, you know, feeling the pressures of needing to come through and look good, and those pressures mount when you just, you, you don't have community, you're not sharing the realities of your challenges. And then, I don't know, people back themselves in a corner. We had that when we first moved to where we live. Beautiful area right by the beach and somebody down the street um, killed themselves, killed their entire family before they killed themselves. And I was like, wow, they... You know, they don't damage people outside their community. They just kill their family because of just their their ego and not being able to, or feel like they had any place to go. Yeah. Or just total absolute mental illness. Yeah. 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 And it's, you know, you were talking about sort of how uncomfortable it is to talk about mental illness, let's say on a Sunday morning. Uh So while I think that's a really shitty excuse, let's then, let's then, okay, so don't do it on Sunday. I totally agree with you. Like bring in, yeah, bring in, then bring in a professional, bring in a Steve Austin, bring in somebody and do a Saturday workshop. Yeah, Steve Austin, let's bring you to California. Let's do it, baby. Let's go. Okay. You Uh, know what? We actually have a ministry that does, um, we're, I guess I can speak for our church. We're, we're out in front uh, of that. And good. And we have people that are focused on that because we know it's a problem. Yeah. Before you continue, what, what, on that note, and I'm, we'll do this at the end too, but people that want to get you, what's, what do they do? Yeah. Uh, just go to IamSteveAustin.com. Okay. You can find all the stuff there. That is bold. IamSteveAustin.com. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wanted to come up with something as narcissistic as possible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you got to separate yourself from Stone Cold. Right. Exactly. All right. Well, that's why I'm drinking whiskey instead of crushing beer cans on my head. Ooh, what kind of whiskey? 
you know what? This is cheap whiskey. That's okay. <laughs> it's, uh, it's copper. What is it? Copper Cooper. Cooper something. I don't know. It's $30 whiskey. Yeah, same. I'm doing uh, Black Feather American Bur- Bourbon Whiskey. And it's nice. from Trader Joe's. And I think it was around $30. Hey, there you go, man. I, I, so I'm a whiskey and ginger ale guy. You can hate me if you want oh, to. Oh, no, that's so good. It's kind of my good. go-to. Yeah. Good. If I feel like spending enough coin, I'll get something like Fever Tree, ginger mm-hmm. beer, something a little spicier. But that, yeah. that stuff adds up. That's expensive. Yep, absolutely. But you were in mid-thought. Do you remember what thought that was? Nope. Okay, <laughs> awesome. Where was he? He was going over the... He's saying that the... In California, the suicide rates right. are at 50%. Yeah, I mean, it's just so, I think it just, you know, it, if you look at stats alone, my God, we got a problem. It's not, it has, from 20, 2011 to 2016, it did not improve <laughs> at all uh, yeah. and got way worse. So we've we've got to keep talking about it, even if it makes people uncomfortable. Um, we have to keep talking about it. and And maybe not harping, but at least creating a church environment where people show up at the door and we say, come as you are. And we mean it. Right. If mm. I feel, you know, if I feel safe to, to actually bring my burdens there and lay them down and my gosh, I, I mean, it's, it's unreal just in the church. Yeah. Well, you know, out in California had Andrew here a couple months ago um, that died by suicide pastor, father yeah. of three boys, yeah, husband, yeah. you know, successful mm-hmm. guy. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, we can't think it's just happening outside the church. Oh, it's not affecting us Christians. No, and that was on the day he came, he took a leave of absence. Right. Uh, for like three months or something. I forget the duration. He comes back, yeah. preaches a message. Yeah. Uh, oh because he was suicidal. He preaches a message like on that Sunday. And then yeah. it was either the, the, it was that, that next week he commits suicide. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. It's heartbreaking. It's tough, man. and um, just to go back, the idea of like that being the message, um, mental illness, and and talking about that at Sundays. I, I guess, I'll speak for our church, knowing that you know what that's might not be the best place mentioning it, but having a ministry that is in you know invites you in like you can sure. come to us. It's a safe place to, yep. you know, just share. And I'm especially our churches has really grown over the last few years. And so we've really needed to, I mean, we have so many ministries now and people just be in the church and, yeah. and creating this, this place for uh, just a space to come and share and know that you're welcome. Um, yep. And then I guess I should probably, repent a little for saying churches don't want to you know talk about this on sunday and this is why oh, yeah. and they, it's true they it, it's true there, there are there are i'm i don't i mean i don't know what the statistics there's are. always exceptions jeff but i think I, we all can get yeah. behind yeah yeah what you were going I'll just but, you know and, and and let's be let's let's make it simple and let's make it completely free too if you're in a tiny church and you have no resources and you have no volunteers 
at least have the lady that's answering the phone through the week, Mm -hmm. (laughs) have a list of resources in your area, know the number for the mental health clinic. If there are three or four counselors in your area, have their names and phone numbers so that when somebody calls in crisis mode and you're not prepared to help them, here's the number or, Hey, I will Mm -hmm. drive there. Yeah. You can always start there. Yep. All right, man. Let's get to it. <laughs> this, <laughs> no, was that the intro? <laughs> no, yeah, that was. <laughs> I, I really, I I really do want to get to the book and where it was born out of. In a baptismal. Besides that, it was literally born there. <laughs> Did you? I, I just talked over you. Did you say in a world? <laughs> I said in rural Alabama, oh, but I was thinking. In rural- <laughs> <laughs> I could see okay, so being a little buzz, rural and world. Being a little buzz, yeah. Sure. Especially if you got that southern drawl, it, it just adds it's, yes. to it. Yeah. It's so good. It's way better than my accent. <laughs> West Coast, nothing. Nebraska. <laughs> this is um you know, we can move on right after this, but we did get Please. Somebody <laughs> somebody gave us feedback once from Australia saying our American accents were delightful. And my brain almost exploded because right. we're from California. We, we don't have like dude bro speech, but we're Californians. Right. We're not. I mean, you have a classy Alabama accent. I mean, you, you have you have a classy one. Yeah, yeah, like it's it's much worse when all the family's together. I promise. Oh, really accentuates I'm my best behavior right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh man, I don't even know where we were, but okay. So now let's move. Okay, on. Okay, now we're starting. Okay. <laughs> By the way, we've been recording for this yeah, entire time. Of course, fantastic. Well, actually, circling back, like going way back in time, you disclaim in the book about. Um, the religious language or the spiritual language. Oh, sure. You're yeah. very aware of, you're coming from a, a very Christian background and you still speak that language. Um, and so you just kind of recognize that the language is going to happen. But I guess talk about, if you will, people that are not from a Christian background, because this book is intended for everyone, is it not? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So so let's tie it together with <laughs> with all this about the first book. Um, the the point in talking about that first book is um, sort of what I was talking about earlier, that it it is a very Christian book, a very yeah. Jesus centric book and a book all about mental health and suicide prevention. So my goal in writing this new one was to say, man, let's spread a larger table. Um, there are plenty of people who um, know what it's like to feel just completely overwhelmed, to feel like they're drowning, to be exhausted, absolutely stressed out, and not have a mental health diagnosis. You don't have to have a mental health diagnosis to feel like you're drowning. And the same thing with the Christianity side, to say, you know what, this this is the lens through which I see the divine. It's God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. But that may not be your experience. I have plenty of of agnostic friends, atheist friends, friends who are Buddhist, friends who are just none of the above, not interested, don't want to have that conversation. And so, yeah, I wanted to to address that right in the beginning to say, look, I'm going to talk God, Jesus, and Holy Spirit because that's the world that I've always been in. But if that's not your world, you are welcome here. It's just 
the experience that I've had. Um, but my goal is not for this to be a Christian book. My goal is not for this to be Jesus is the answer book. That's not the point of this. The point of this book is to say, whoever you are, whatever walk of life, whatever your experience has been with mental health, if any, whatever your experience has been with the Christian church, if any, no matter what, this is a safe space for you to come and read and and feel accepted and affirmed and encouraged and find some hope and hopefully some practical tips and tricks along the way for when you say, man, this is the very worst day or the very worst season of my life. And I don't know how to, I can possibly go on. Hopefully this book is going to say, hang on, you know, hold on here. Let me give you some hope. Um, that's, that's what this book is all about. Yeah. You're not alone. Like you can feel so alone. There's there's nobody else that feels like you do, but you're not. Yeah. You got Steve Austin. There you go. And others. We we've, we've mentioned church and how the church has handled it. Are there some cliché, well I know they're clichés. What are some clichés that well-meaning Christians drop that they need to stop and are there replacements or versions of it that could be done better? You'll get over it. To to talk to people that, you know, somebody that's afraid to speak out, then they kind of feel just safe enough, and then they mention a little bit of the the darkness they're in, and then the Christian doesn't know how to handle it. What what shit do they say that needs to stop? And is, are there replacement versions that would help people that mean well that really want to help people or be there for for them? There's a fantastic book that was turned into a play. Uh, years and years ago called Everything I Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. And so let's start there. If you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. <laughs> right? Like that's the kindergarten golden rule. Yeah. If you can't say something nice, shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> let's, like, let's just yeah. start there. Um, I am as guilty as anybody. Um, in, I, so on the Enneagram, I'm a, a three-wing two, and that two-wing is really strong in being the helper. Um, but sometimes helping isn't helping. Sometimes that that opinion or that help that somebody didn't ask for, like, you probably just shouldn't offer it. <laughs> yeah, in, uh, in, the unhealthy, in the unhealthy version of the two, it's like, I can help, and I will tell you, but I can't tell the difference of when I should be helping or not. Yeah, yeah. So... I, somebody said, and I, love, I wish I could remember who said it, but sometimes the best advice you can give someone is a hug. And like that sounds super cheesy and like Mr. Rogers-ish, but it's so true. Like if you don't know what to say, don't feel like you have to. Don't feel like you have to have an answer. Don't feel like you have to have some great response or some way to fix it. Just, you know what, just be a safe person. Just show up with compassion let the person know, maybe you don't understand it. Maybe you want to be that honest and say, you know what? I don't get this. I've never experienced this, but I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to be here for you. We're going to get through this together. Um, things not to say. Don't say just choose joy. God dang, <laughs> man. Who says <laughs> that? Just Who actually joy. says that? People say that, Scott. It's the worst. Don't say it. Um, I'll tell you a, this is not a, a lingo thing. This is a, like an actual usage thing that is shifting big time. Um, and I look guys, I am not pointing fingers at you, but this is just an educational moment. Don't say committed suicide. Don't say kill themselves. Um, so they died by suicide and here's why. 
when you say they killed themselves or when you say committed suicide, it sounds like a crime, mm. right? So I committed a crime, I attempted a crime, I attempted murder. Um, so we say died by suicide because they're a victim of this terrible, horrible illness. So died by suicide is the thing that we say now. Okay. Um, I didn't know that, and I, I appreciate you yeah, saying that. Yeah, and absolutely. And most people don't. It's getting out there, but it's getting out there in my world, and it's people in my world's job to tell people they're not in this world. So, um, yeah, yeah. So we say died by suicide. Um, I think those are the big ones. You know, yeah, you, you'll get over this. Just toughen up. Choose joy. Um, what yeah, about in just, like a church context? So the choose joy is definitely a church context. Okay. Yeah, um, for sure. I, I, w- I was so excited going back to the church of my childhood about three years ago. The pastor was going to talk about um, depression and feeling overwhelmed. And I thought, oh, man, this is so cool that the local church in Birmingham, Alabama is going to talk about this. And we went through this talk and teaching that was actually pretty decent. Uh, there was nothing really cringeworthy until he got to the end and he's given the the altar call, you know, and he says, and, and after hearing all this, if you don't remember anything else, just know that God can heal the minds of those who are depressed. Yeah. And it's like, oh, dude, like you could have just left it alone, you know, like mm-hmm. you could have said all this stuff and shared your story with feeling overwhelmed and let people feel sort of that me too moment with the pastor and go, oh my gosh, you're a human and just leave out the, maybe just leave out the miracle stuff. And I don't know, maybe that's not fair. Maybe if somebody's in a miracle working church where you're olive oil on the forehead stuff, like maybe that's not fair to say, don't say that. But gosh, I just, sometimes I think it's better to say nothing. Yeah. To to say like, choose joy. I mean, that person could be thinking I'll bring a lot of joy if I, if I, yeah Kill myself yeah or or if if it was you know they're just thinking if it was only that easy if you had any if i could just choose joy if it was just a choice for me right if my brain wasn't where i i think about it like i think about my dad okay my dad's 50 something uh career firefighter marathon runner he dude is in better shape than me today and eats right sleeps right now i've never um, been around you is that saying a lot or saying a little uh, I'm not, I mean, I, I, I'm not some go to the gym every day guy, but, but I, I'm you're, in doing okay. you're doing okay. You're doing okay. Yes. Um, but my dad is in, what I'm saying is my dad's in phenomenal shape, yeah. Yeah. um, eats well the whole deal. And yet we're at my daughter's birthday party and he's talking about his cholesterol medicine and it's no big deal. We're just talking about his cholesterol medicine at a birthday party in front of strangers and kids and whatever. And I have this like out of body experience for a moment going, what if I could talk about my depression meds that way? Because mm. here's a guy who's yeah. me, relatively healthy, eating right, getting good sleep, going to the doctor, doing all the right things, and yet my brain's not wired like yours, you know? And so it's just there's just this disconnect of it's okay to talk about my blood pressure medicine. It's okay to talk about cholesterol, you know, whatever. But man, you can't you can't talk about this stuff. So uh, we just have there's so much work to do to strip away the stigma around mental health yeah and so on medication i i know in the church there are on the on one end of the spectrum generally more conservative is probably uh, doesn't medication is like a last resort type thing Mm -hmm. and 
you know, you, you, you're almost like taking stuff out of God's hands, but for most of people, like medication is okay. But like, so, so people don't want to talk about it generally, but what, what do we do with, what, what are some of, how do, actually, how does medication work in the mental health field and people that are afraid to take medication because of their faith, like what, what gets them over that hump to realize like you brush your teeth, not because God's, God doesn't will you to have cavities or not. You brush your teeth because gravity, you know, shit happens if you don't take care of it. So yeah. how does that apply to mental health? and and medication for you boy oh boy so let's do this with the caveat that i'm not a doctor or a mental health professional i'm just a guy with a lived experience um even better has, yeah now um, you won't be sued now speak freely <laughs> and with <laughs> reckless <laughs> abandon <laughs> bros bottles of beer doesn't necessarily represent okay me. all right there you go <laughs> so um i think when you get into the technical stuff, sometimes there are symptoms that, so let's go back to the email I got from the guy the other day going, why why are you not doing blood tests? Why are you not doing MRIs and CAT scans for somebody who says, Hey, I'm depressed. Sometimes the symptoms are enough to point to a need for a prescription. So it's the changing of the seasons here in Alabama and I've got a stuffy nose and I get allergies every year around this time. And I start taking allergy meds, you know, somewhere around into September and I'm going to take them for a couple of months and get me over the hump and then I'm good. Um, and nobody would ever say stuff like you should go have blood work done for that. So I think we just, I think there's, it's this dualism thing of you can either be a Christian or you can be crazy, but you can't be both. Or you can, you can be a Christian or you can struggle, but you can't be both. So to give people permission to say, embrace your faith, go to church, pray, read your Bible, two or three gather in agreement and believe that God is going to work a miracle. And in the process, go to counseling, take your medicine. If, if you are desperate for help and, and it's not getting better, my God, go to like, like we wouldn't do that with this person who you go to the doctor because you're having chest pains and they say, yeah, you got 90% blockage and you're, you know, whatever. And we say, well, we're just, we're just going to keep praying about that. No, you might pray. You're probably going to have the doctor come visit you at the hospital while they're prepping you for open heart surgery, but you're going to do the surgery and no one would ever call you less of a Christian for it. So it's, it's the same thing. You can be a Christian and be faithful and trust God and do all the practical things too. Right, because didn't aren't we called to take action? So praying isn't praying for like a miracle every time. I mean, isn't prayer like God lead me in some direction where I can get help, whether it's I'm going to connect with someone who, you know, is going to assist me in something in just community or about like should i get surgery or should i should i take medicine or you know there's yeah. so many ways so many things you can pray about and just be asking and then listening and and then maybe it's i i prayed and i'm 
I, I God has really spoken to me to have discussions with doctors and people who are familiar with you know the challenges that I'm having, and and then you do that and and all of a sudden things start to change for the better, and and all of a sudden you're in prayer speaking with God like you've you've answered my prayers God you know thank you so much as opposed to I'm only waiting for a miracle that yeah. people rarely experience um or rarely you rarely hear about so that's where i yeah. i get stuck with people saying i they don't take action that's the yeah I, I just don't understand why people are like did you pray for like what action you should take yeah 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 ask for wisdom and and then seek out that wisdom and when you're given that wisdom do, <laughs> do absolutely something about it and that's what this book is about. That this whole thing with catching your breath. The, if if you get nothing out of this book other than this, it's it's a great big permission slip to be a human being. And I think we forget that. I think when we quote unquote get saved, we start going to church, we get involved in that world that we sort of forget that we're still humans having a human experience with struggles and pains and wounds and injuries and issues, you know, and there are things that we need practical help for and we should do that so i look at let's talk about the basics here let's just look at just simple self-care in the bible you look at jesus getting overwhelmed by a crowd of people and pulling away going wow i am worn out oh my gosh they need so much and i'm exhausted and dude pulled away or getting down on the bottom of a boat and taking a nap you know you look at the first miracle after the resurrection, he's meeting the disciples on the shoreline frying up breakfast because they've been fishing all night and they're tired and hungry. Like, here's a, a real human being doing things that human beings do. And I think we forget that. I think that we have this expectation in the church that we're supposed to be above mm -hmm. just basic human needs of rest. Slow down. Take a break. You know, um, conf just confess your needs, just confess your, your struggles and your pains. And if we gave ourselves permission to do that, if we gave ourselves and each other permission to do that, man, I, you look at numbers in the church dropping drastically in so many places. And I think a lot of times it's because we're, we're not giving people permission to just be human first. I think if, Go back to the first book for a second. If the church looked more like the psych ward, and what I mean is, here's on the psych ward, I'm there with a group of people at the end of their rope, desperate for help, desperate for hope. They're safe. No one's going to let anything bad happen to them while they're there. They're giving them resources, things they need. They're caring for them. They're talking about how they feel. They're making sure they rest. They're making sure they eat. And if the church felt more like that, here's this safe place where we are going to care for the whole person. Oh my gosh, we'd be like the parking lot would be filled every Sunday. Mm -hmm. Man, it, it That's reminds great. it reminds me of uh, I'm going to caveat right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm the king caveat on this What's show. New? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but uh, I don't want to open up a theological can of worms to debate Good, with the Bible. <laughs> what the Bible says or doesn't say about homosexuality. But in your book, you have a chapter or it's a sub subtitle or a ch or a subchapter or something about 
Jesus. When you believe you're back. When you, yes, I want to get to that for sure, and I think it's all kind of connected. But Jesus in the gay bar, um, sure, and and uh, yeah, actually, I I did quote that when you believe you are bad, you don't act good. Sure, and that was one of your your friends, and it, yeah, and that re- you talking about church operating like a psych ward where it's like, no, it's completely safe to use all of this language and to. You're, to be as crazy as you need to be for that time or as crazy as you sure. are for that time, you are still, yeah. this is where you are supposed to be. We're still going to care about you. We're still going to love you no matter what. You are still safe here. You are still cared for. Absolutely. Yeah, if we did that rather than pushing people away, demonizing people because we don't understand or we don't agree, that's what's wrong with the world today. That's what's wrong with the craziness of the political scene here in America today. It's, I disagree with you, so obviously I'm going to demonize you. I'm going to shout at you. We've perfected the art of screaming. But none of us are coming from across each side of the chasm. We're not building a bridge. We're not coming to the middle and saying, hey, come here. Let's talk. Let's shake hands. Let's look one another in the eyes. Let's respect the humanity of another human being because they're on a freaking human journey. So good. Just humaning is not easy. Like if we just did that, we don't have to have a theological debate. I don't really care what you think about homosexuality because it's not going to change my call from Jesus to love my neighbor as I love myself. And he didn't say love your straight neighbor or your white neighbor, or your church-going neighbor, or your Republican neighbor. He just said, love your neighbor, period. And the the neighbor was, I mean, when you look at the Good Samaritan story, that's like the worst of the worst. Yeah, yeah. So what if you disagree? Okay, now what? (laughs) We're called to love. So, uh, you know. And you can still disagree. I'm yeah, a little devil's advocacy. You can still disagree and love, but I think like the how of how we hash out actual theological differences when you feel something is given from God and it says certain things that you believe it says, it's the how that you do it's it. It's the heart behind it. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. it's the heart behind it. What's your intent? What's your motivation? Um, is your motivation to to preach this? truth that you see because you believe God hates this person for what you see as their choice or is your motivation to preach the truth as you see it because you genuinely care and you love someone so much and you think that they're making a bad decision like I think that's a very different heart um whatever I think about it doesn't matter if you're operating truly operating in a spirit of love and kindness and compassion great yeah. Now, uh, in the vein of if if you believe you are bad, you don't act good. Mm-hmm. I've got this friend. Well, how are actually how are you on time? We're I'm come, fine. Okay. I'm I've got this friend uh, cheated on his wife, lied to multiple people. I was kind of the t- there was like uh, a touch point like trying to work with them. Like a lot of lies and cheating and then cheat cheating in ways that were above the original version of the cheating that, that he gave and mm-hmm. finally comes clean. And he comes from a revor- re- reformed. Cause in the future it may revivid bividends for us. That's the, a, uh, a uh, uh, right uh, there. Uh, Bertation. Yeah. I just had a mini stroke, yeah. but 
Reformed theology, and right now, I mean, the, he's trying to make the relationship work. He loves his wife, the kids, all that stuff. He recognizes how he's just, he's blown up and it's, he's got this responsibility that he totally recognizes, but he falls back on. Will somebody help that guy with his headphones? I mean, what's going on here? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what were you doing, Jeff? Jeff struggling. <laughs> I'm reforming my headphones. <laughs> Sorry. I just derailed it. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> so, so dude's struggling. Anyway, he's anyway. he's struggling, and he sees yeah. himself. He like right now he's falling back on reformed theology, which is you're terrible, yeah. and there's nothing you can do to please God. Yeah, even and in it, your repentance, your feet are dangling over the fires of hell. Right, and so he you, he's yes, and he's thinking like. It's like affirmation for him. He's it's proved to him like yes, I am terrible. But he's yeah. also relying on like this is why Jesus came. But in my I know between Scott Jeff and I there'd be different views on this, but from for me I'm thinking there's something more going on like f- like I want to get him to flip the script. The idea of your gay friend saying when you believe you're bad, you behave badly. Sure. Um, I I feel like it's a self perpetuating. There's like a shame cycle because oh, you, you are bad. You, there's nothing you can do to, to to prevent this, but you're forgiven. It's it's. I'm not explaining it. So self fulfilling prophecy that you're yeah, like I feel living like, out. And I would like you to speak into that. I, I know I'm kind of rambling and stumbling for an actual question, but I think you I know think what I'm, I'm getting at. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I do think you're. I think you're both right. I think it is. A, there's a shame spiral that we get into. There is self fulfilling prophecy. If I believe that I'm a broken, horrible piece of trash, and only by the mercy of God can I be halfway decent, you know, that's a that's a miserable way for me to look at the Christian. Like if that's it, I, I'm just going to tell you right now, and I'm not going to debate it, but I don't want any part of that. If that's what the Christian life is all about, that I'm just a piece of shit. And the only way that I'm just slightly not a piece of shit is Jesus died on the cross. Like that's just, oh, that's just miserable for me. It's and it it's this whole like for me it's it's the story beginning in Genesis one, not the story beginning in Genesis three. It's I believe we were created with this divine image that the God, the imprint of God, is on us, in us that that we are good and very we are, good and we, yeah very good good and we make you've we awoken make, my uh <laughs> all right go ahead see if keep going no, keep going that <laughs> we we make bad choices we hurt people we do things that are maybe not beneficial and we learn hopefully but we for even me, sin absolutely yeah but for me I think there's a big difference in being broken, which is the word most of those folks like to use, being broken versus being wounded. Like if I look at my story, okay, so Steve Austin has screwed up. He's made some piss poor decisions and hurt some people and lives with that regret. But also there have been some terrible, horrible, fucked up things that should have never happened starting at three years old. And that guy has been wounded. And so whatever you think, again, it, 
it doesn't really matter if this guy or gal or whoever this wounded person is isn't being loved, isn't being accepted as they are. Show them a better way. Sure, show them a better way to live. Give them resources. Empower them to change their lives. But do it all from a heart of love. Don't do it from your need to prove your theological rightness and your moralistic, behavioral, external bullshit. That's not saving or changing anybody. But if you approach every person that you meet with compassion and understanding, like we do this, let's, let's do heaven and hell here. We do this great job in the church about talking about what happens after you die. You're going up or down. It's going to be hot or cold. Like it's, it's going to be good and beautiful, holy, 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 or you're burning in eternal conscious torment forever. But what about the person that is walking through a living hell and they're sitting in your pew every Sunday? I think we've got to do a better job at bringing heaven here, helping lower the flames of hell for that person today. When I'm sitting in your church and this is the very worst day of my life and I'm not feeling affirmed, loved, accepted, I'm not finding hope, I'm just finding more of how terrible, horrible, and hopeless I am, I just don't know what good that's doing anybody. Yeah, the um, I agree. And amen. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> uh, uh, the uh, the chapter on self care um, is super important, but I I know from talking to to people and knowing from where I've been before, like when you hear certain people, when you hear self care talked about in a certain way, mm-hmm. um, there's a feeling that people think, okay, so you just love yourself and it doesn't matter what you're doing. And I know that's not what you're communicating, but what, what are your thoughts on like healthy self care and then move, like progressing and, and getting better and improving and loving yourself all the while. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Self-care, yeah, it does get a bad rap. It's sort of, man, like I almost shy away from calling myself a life coach anymore because it gets a bad rap too. Like any 20-year-old that's been out of high school for two years can suddenly, you know, get some some certificate in three months online and they're life coaches. Like, like, dude, you just learned to wipe your ass. Like, you you know, (laughs) so it's kind of the same thing with self-care. People go, oh, it's self-care. Like it's this frou-frou whatever, but when I'm giving, so when I do a, a suicide prevention workshop, it always comes with a self-care component and a shame component. And we talk about self-care and shame before we ever get to suicide prevention. Because if I can get you to become vulnerable, to admit that you don't have it all together, that you don't have it all figured out, that you need help, if I can get you to peel back the layers, we'd say in the book, get naked. If I can get you (laughs) to, you know, to say, Hey, I'm not okay. Even if that's just, I'm not okay today. If I can get you to do that, I'm never going to have to talk to you about suicide prevention for yourself. If I can get you to practice self care, if I can get you to create a lifestyle that puts your sense of wholeness, mental, physical, spiritual, social above everything else. And I'm empowering you and educating you and helping you be intentional about making good choices for every aspect of your health, we're never going to have to talk about suicide prevention. Mm-hmm. 
So that's why it's incredibly important. It's not some sissy thing. It's not some weak thing. It's not some new agey weird out there. We're talking about basic stuff. I mean, we're talking about the basics of at the very beginning, we're talking about, are you getting seven or eight hours of sleep a night? Are you eating regularly? How much water are you drinking every day? Are you exercising? That's self-care. And you can add in other stuff. Sure, we can talk about yoga. We can talk about meditation. We can talk about contemplative prayer and go into counseling and all that. But if you're not sleeping, eating, getting enough water, who cares about the rest of it? That's I I appreciate the – man, so even amongst – I feel like there's this growth even amongst – I shouldn't say even. Already I'm sounding like an asshole. <laughs> but the conservative wing of Christianity where there's like roles for men and women. Mm, and yeah. even amongst that, I think there is a growth towards being able to cry and sh- like as a man sure. and, and, and cry and gr- grow and share and be vulnerable. There's like this thing going on that's, transcends what they think about any number of theological issues that is kind of encouraging to me, um, which is a, not a question or anything, but just I'm noticing that from my interactions with people and online and even with my Absolutely. own church, which is super diverse in terms of theology and stuff like that. But the the yeah, idea not, of a of, go ahead. It's why there's a whole section in the book talking about emotions we, as guys especially, we, gosh, so many of us can hate emotions. I hate emotions. Emotions lie to me all the time. All my emotions do is lie. They lie to my wife. You know, they lie to my kids. My wife has these mood swings because she's so emotional, right? But if we, if we're controlled by our emotions, that's absolutely true. If I'm controlled by my anger and I'm just raging and angry all the time, yeah, um, emotions are terrible and horrible. If I'm, um, you know, just, I don't know, whatever the emotion is. But if we, instead of being controlled by them, if we slowed down and listened and we said, you know what, this anger is a messenger. Why am I angry? Why, what, why am I so pissed off? What's underneath this, right? People talk about all the time, anger is a secondary emotion or whatever it is. If I'm, if I'm over the moon excited about something and I'm just, somebody's like, man, this dude's like manic. He's so excited. Well, why? Like what, what switch is that flipping for you? What is like, why, how is, what's turning you on so much? What are you so excited about? Um, if I'm really sad, you know, we talk to kids about their feelings all the time, but something happens around, I don't know, probably 12 or 13. And we think that we have to turn that switch off and not, not because we don't want to be led by them, which I think is fine. That's an okay thing to say. Don't be led by your emotions, but you've at least got to slow down and listen to them and find out what they're trying to tell you about whatever scenario you're in or what people you're around or what you're doing, you know, uh, I think emotions are very important. Well, whatever I have, I'll probably derail the conversation. So let me go last. (laughs) Save me for last. (laughs) (laughs) Scott's got some intense questions for you. It sounds like, well, this whole, this whole thing is intense. It's good. It's good. There's just a couple things. So um, okay. So since well, the, I still have something to say. yeah <laughs> yeah well, go ahead. I think the, well the emotional like I I identify with a lot of a lot of different people who think different ways. So you mentioned sure. enneagram. I'm a nine. So oh man, you're loving everybody or at least keeping them at peace, huh? Oh, yeah, or trying to. So <laughs> for me, yeah, passively. I I love everybody, but then when I talk to Scott, I turn. What are you, Scott? 
I'm a, a five. five. So I turn into a five when we're Scott. Five, I'm a five wing five. Oh, is that Scott, a real thing? God bless you. I, it, probably. I think all fives are five wing fives. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just ask them. <laughs> five wing five. Uh, five, five wing five. Can I get I'm the good. five wing five? But, <laughs> but the emotional aspect of it, like there, there is, there's like an intellectual, when you're intellectually minded, you tend to dismiss emotion more. And, sure. um, which is a mistake, but the pendulum can swing too far. And I think you're kind of outlining that where if yeah, emotions are all that are driving you, that then they can really lead you astray. And I, and I know that's what Scott is kind of thinking. Well, I would say, to, just to say that, oh, that'd be a mistake. I It may or may not be a mistake. I don't know if that it's... There's that, like a balance? That that's... That, sure. Just say it's not that black and white, that it's a mistake to, to disregard emotions. Um, if... if there's a potential that if I went with my emotions, I'd quit my job, and you know, I, I who knows? I don't know, but uh, yeah, I, I tend to disregard Maybe emotions. Buy buy a truck and no, you, truck. Go to, you go with your emotions. Sell your house, I, live out of I, your truck, buy right, a so I mean, home. <laughs> yeah, I'm, you guys having fun here? Yeah. yeah, jump in anytime. Go ahead, Steve. Oh no! Mm-mm. I'm gonna leave y'all to do that. <laughs> I did. I did like the the story metaphor of your father. How you start in the first chapter of being in the pool and sure. holding your breath, and and just how you you took that and and went with the story, and then came full circle back to that. Um, so. Are, is the writing and speaking to people about all the challenges that is that did you literally just hold on to everything deep down um, and then it was really just unleashed through your writing yeah absolutely all of this um, that I've done for the last six years is because I um, wrote the original blog from pastor to a psych ward uh, and wrote you know, I don't know, a thousand words or something. Um, and it was a year after, uh, a little more than a year after the suicide attempt and um, lots of counseling, lots of, of individual counseling and marriage therapy and, oh boy, lots of honesty and uncomfortable conversations and getting healthy. Um, and I finally told my wife, Lindsay, I said, I, I think I need to share this. I think it's time because we hadn't talked about it with anybody. We, and some people will disagree with our approach and that's okay. But we said, if we're going to get healthy, if Lindsay's going to stay with me, number one, because everybody was saying, look, get out. Like, Did she always know? No, no, no. Now she knew that I was dealing with anxiety and depression okay. for about two years something like that. Um, and I was taking meds. I'd been to my primary care and, and said, look, I, like, I'm not okay. And so she put me on some meds for anxiety and depression. Uh, but she didn't know the gravity of it because, again, that would have, you know, just all that shame just screaming in my ears. So when she said, I'm going to stay, I believe that your worst day doesn't get to define all the rest of your days. Um we said, okay, well, if we're going to do this, we're not talking about it to the whole wide world. We're not going to blog about it. We're not Facebooking about it. So our immediate family knew, um, and a couple of friends knew. We're talking, I mean, 12 or 15 people 
um, knew what happened. Everybody else thought I'd been in the hospital for pneumonia. We lied through our teeth. Mm. Um, because think about when you, like if you've ever been at a funeral, um, and it's somebody super close to you that you care about that has died and you're standing by the casket and you're having to comfort everybody else as they walk by, but you're the one with the broken heart. Mm -hmm. That's where we said, you know what? We can't do this. If we're going to heal, we have to focus on us. And so we did. So anyway, about a a year or so later, I said, I I think I want to tell this. And so I (laughs) put out a blog post about it. And Wait, what I was her first, what was your wife's first reaction? Like you're going to blog about it. Oh boy. Uh I think by that time it wasn't as big of a deal because we'd been okay. to gosh, we were I mean therapy like crazy, counseling like crazy. We were we were after a year we were the healthiest we'd ever been. All right. So yeah, I don't think it was a shock to her. I think she knew eventually I was going to have to process it somehow and so, yeah, the, all of this is because I opened up and said, here's my story. Here I am, the pastor that nearly died by suicide. <sighs> That's, uh, there's some sweetness in there. Oh, it's... it's. She sounds amazing. Oh, <sighs> yeah. She, wow. Yeah, she's, she's the tangible grace of God to me. Um, my parents didn't come to the hospital. I was there for a week and a half. Um, her family said, leave him, come back to Florida, bring the baby, be done. Um, and she said, you know, like I said, she said, I, I, I believe that your worst day doesn't get to define the rest of your days. Mm-hmm. I believe in the truly good man that I married. There's a whole lot of shit going on. There's a whole lot of pain. There's a whole lot of secrets going on. But if you will promise to always tell the truth, if you'll promise to never lie, if you'll promise to go to counseling and therapy and get help and take your meds and always tell me when you need help, then I'm here. I'm here for the long haul and we will heal together and I won't leave you. That is and a she, po- that's a powerful confidant. I mean, yeah, is- she's, she's my hero. She's, she's more of a man than I'll ever be. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. She's a strong, strong human being. Yeah. Fantastic. That's so good. I had, <laughs> I had another question, but it just, I don't know, feels... It fell to the wayside. <laughs> yeah, that, that's such a good climax. Um, <laughs> is, is, that, is that what she said? Are we going to leave that? Just We're not going to say that? Well, no, you're gonna, we'll you're edit, we'll edit that out. <laughs> no, we won't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. oh, man. Steve, it's so good to talk with you. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. thank you. What, what is... Now... People that are struggling with suicidal thoughts that are on the brink, is there a resource that you can give now that you know about or people dealing with general anxiety, depression? I know general sounds cheap, but people struggling with that stuff. What what are some yeah. resources that, that you have? Yeah, absolutely. So um, you can text, which is really cool. Uh, you can text the word CONNECT to 741741. And that's the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. And an actual person will respond back to you. So if you're um, in an environment where you don't feel safe saying what's going on, or um, you're just really embarrassed and you don't want to pick up the phone and actually say out loud what you're struggling with and the thoughts that you're having, um, then you can text CONNECT to 741741. 
And then the Suicide Prevention Lifeline, I can't ever remember it, which is terrible. Here it is. The Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 1-800-273-8255. It's it's the exact same organization, but one is for text and one is to call. So uh, it is um, staffed, again, 24-7. And if you're just in mental health crisis and you don't know what to do and you just want somebody to talk to um, or you care about somebody who's in mental health crisis and you don't know how to help them, you can call that number and they will walk you through what to do. And man, that, that part's so important. Like you don't know, you know somebody needs help, but you don't know what to do. Yeah. Maybe you've huge. tried to say it, but you they've put up walls sufficient that you're just like at your wit's end. But yeah. you're, you're not the one struggling with it. That That's key. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's huge. Man. All right. Scott, you know, you're going to pass. We could, yeah, we could call it. Um, yeah, there's Next a couple time. of things. Scott's uh, our, our conservative wingman. I know. Okay, okay, just for that, Sean, <laughs> Mr. Austin, just for that. All right, so when you talk about... Um, I'm going to pour some more whiskey. <laughs> It, when you, <laughs> I don't have any emotions, so it doesn't matter. Actually, I do. I do have emotions. Uh, sometimes we will edit the following. Go ahead, Scott. <laughs> no, uh, well, when you say when you, we talk about, um, you know, that the the being made in God's image and 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 you're good, and how the uh, the inverse, or like Zach was saying, how if you think you're bad, you're you know you that that could be a self-fulfilling you end up doing bad things um now what about the the inverse where you you're telling people that they're good they're made in the image of god they should be doing or they they should act in a certain way because they're made in the image of god but then they don't act in that way you think that that would be um kind of uh maybe detrimental in some way to their their psyche where they 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 could develop a depression based upon that where hey man you're, you're Dep- made in God's image but you're messing up all the time i i I, know, I just i i think that i mean we're, we're talking about sin is that what we're talking about i well, think- no the context that you guys are talking about uh you uh, if you guys weren't talking about sin well okay then yeah. i guess maybe well probably that, that probably was yeah probably was well, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know because if you, if you were talking about sin, then definitely we're not good. So that's why I would say, I would think you're not talking about sin because when it comes to sin, we're not good, and that's the whole that's the whole like message of the gospel is that we're not good. So if you, in that in that context, then you're not talking about sin per se. I would heavily disagree with that, but let's let Steve answer. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I do too, and that's okay. Like that's totally fine. That's the way I was raised, Scott, and that's like I totally get it. Um, my parents are there, my brothers are there. Like that's the world I live in, and I'm the black sheep of the family. So like all of that, we like we can go there all day. Um, for me, like you know, I, I, it's I'm totally okay with you thinking Steve Austin's a total heretic, and that's fine. But I, for me, sin is. I, I was I was thinking idea. more of the counseling perspective. But, okay. but, oh, no, no, but, but I, like, I know what I'm saying for the conservative crowd. They're going to go, oh, this guy's such a heretic. But for me, like I have this, I don't know, I kind of have a weird thinking around sin. And I think sin is the faulty belief 
that there's anything I can do that would separate me from the love of God. That's sin. Yeah, that's heresy. Yeah, uh, that that is heresy. Oh yeah. man, I love it. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, yeah, because because if because yeah, and 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 this is what we were actually talking Hold about. Hold on, it's we, what you think is heresy. No, it's right, it's truly heresy. Like, we were we were talking about this earlier, and 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 um, Jeff asked why guy. these Jeff asked why these why these uh, disagreements matter, and this is a this is a good point um, that if that if we're never actually separated from God in the first place, then we don't need a savior. This is this exact the exact top the 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 exact exact example I gave earlier. All right. So um, do you have do you yeah. a, a question or? I no, I I made my statement, so okay. uh, I'm good. Scott, just <laughs> no, I think that's cool, and I think you know it's it is. I think it's heresy based on your orthodoxy, and that's totally yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah well, it, it, yeah. It's, at some point, <laughs> at some point, it's got to go back to uh, you know uh, a, a discussion of 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 what is what is true and what is not. Uh, if Absolutely, we, we could just we could just go. Oh yeah, that's your truth, my truth. We're both right. Well, I, I, I mean, we, we, we know that we can't both be right, and uh, yeah, sure. so we're we're gonna that we we have to we have to remain in the disagreement. We got to we got to talk that's about it. Beautiful, it's beautiful. See that, and that's and that's what we're talking about cutting off earlier. Yeah, but uh, but no, it's uh, beautiful that you're like we can rest. Oh no, I'm not in, saying I'm not saying we can rest. I'm saying we got we got to oh, remain it. We, we have to we have to keep <laughs> we have to keep disagreeing and keep discussing it because. Just Steve, to say, it's four. It's three against one right now. <laughs> no, we, we can rest. Yeah, to, just, I just. I don't think we're against at all. I think, okay, Scott, I'm right you. there with you. I think we can I discuss it all day long, as long as we're discussing and not debating, and as long as we can. Uh, for me, I'm going to agree to disagree, and that's fine. My when it here's what it all comes down to for me, and this is the whole message of this book is all that stuff at the end of the day, doesn't matter to me near as much as it matters to a whole lot of people. What matters to me is the person in front of me. And if I'm loving them well, and I'm helping them get to the point where they can love themselves, if they've spent their whole life hating themselves, then I don't really care about the ins and outs of theology. But if I'm loving someone well, because I feel like that's what God's called me to do, then if that's Jesus or Buddha or Gandhi or Mr. Rogers, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, so so I think now, well, now that that's important. That I, and if we give... If the Holy Spirit is a thing and people are earnestly seeking for redemption and seeking towards like moving towards love, the Holy yeah. Spirit, like we can trust the Holy Spirit. And I think a broad Absolutely. swath of the church doesn't actually believe the Holy Spirit is a thing. Because okay. put, I'm not I'm not sure which broad swath of the church you're talking about, but it's it's not the broad swath that is that is concerned with the truth of Jesus Christ being Lord and Jesus and redemption in Jesus Christ. So uh, I, I, I think, and, and I, I, I think helping people is great and definitely don't, don't uh, think that I'm saying don't help people, but, but if they're not right, <laughs> well, well, well prove no, them wrong. No, but that's and then the when thing. they go home no, and no, they have the a bad moment and their, their life <laughs> no, is that's over. The, that's like, the thing. Yeah. It, well, well, they, yeah, that's, it, no, don't 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 mischaracterize my, I'm, what I'm saying. How, come on, man. Steve, 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 he, Steve said let's can, have a discussion, and now you mis, now you mischaracterize <laughs> what I'm saying. So if we're gonna have a discussion, let's like it, it, the 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 gospel is 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 specific about redemption in Jesus. So if you want to seek redemption in somewhere 
other than Jesus, then it's not the gospel. I, and I'm not, I'm not it's, saying it's why I call myself a Christian agnostic in the book. Cause there's so much of that stuff. Thank I'm not you. certain of like yeah. the I, man. I mean, we could talk about that all night long, but the, you know, the virgin birth, uh, Jesus says the only way. I mean, like I, I know people will slam and never, why call yourself Christian at all? I call myself a Christian agnostic. I know. Um, why, why use Christian at all? Because I like the example of Jesus. It is central to my life. It's what I've grown yeah. up with. It's what's familiar. But I say that in the book, um, again, that, you know what, but that also, that example of Jesus also looks a whole lot like Buddha and Gandhi yeah. and Mr. Rogers. So, so I, yeah, um, I, I appreciate, I do appreciate that you want to help people. I'm, I, but you just interrupted him, Scott. I, I, well, I know, but we're, we're probably running out of time, but I, I do appreciate that you're helping people. But... <laughs> If Jesus is just like Gandhi, just like Buddha or Brahma or what, no, it's uh, how they live. Whatever. Yeah, their th- example. Then it's which was love. Yeah, but but love love is is in, in truth. The spirit is is also coupled right. with and if truth. You're not living if you don't like have, that, you're not living but, like Jesus. But if you don't have truth along with it, then then what is it? No, truth truth is secondary to love. It's okay. No, no well, that's it, that's a true really, statement, actually. So it really is okay. <laughs> Again, my point is the world I live in is not to debate theology. The world I live in is a world where the hurting person's not going to the theology debater. They're going to the person who says, "You are safe. Yeah. I'm going to love you no matter what. I'm going to preach to you way after I help you get the help." Like my world is helping hurting people. So I don't care who they are, and I don't need them to. I don't have to have Jesus tattooed across my chest to love my neighbor. So that's, I wouldn't that's mind just seeing where that. I'm at, and that's totally okay. I wouldn't mind seeing that <laughs> yeah. Jesus tattoo, but that's that's so <laughs> question mark at the end. That's so key. Like they're <laughs> yeah, not. Absolutely. This is not discounting like seeking truth in theology, <laughs> Scott. But the person that's hurting is not going to go to theology debater. That, no, they're that, not. Theology that's debater? What is no, no. See, they're they're no. there again. They're again. No, hold on, who, Scott. Who's saying that that that's what? <laughs> I'm gonna pull your mic. <laughs> theology <laughs> debater? I thought we were. I thought we were gonna have a discussion and not not a. No, that's, a, a, you a, call it a, it's discussion. a statement that he said. <laughs> it, it's a statement of fact that I think is reasonably back upable. If that's a thing that sure. somebody somebody that's struggling and and really hurting, they're not. They're going to know who's going to tell them, like, don't do that. If I don't feel safe with you because I think you're the person who yes. will only truly let me be safe if I look like you, vote like you, pray like you, believe exactly like you, if I don't have all that lined up and I think I'm not going to totally be safe with you, I'm never telling you that you know mm-hmm. what I think anything. I want Yeah, yeah, anything, anything that matters. Hey, well, some, some people might be like that. There are a lot of pastors. Right, one more. A lot Steve. of pastors that are sure, buddy. that talk to people. All right. just, man, even conservative pastors who have a strong theology <laughs> and strong Christology and okay. strong ret- okay, <laughs> like I, I don't know what I don't know what this like characterization oh, like. They're all bad. All like if you no, think that Jesus is the only way, you're bad. Come on. No, that's not what we said. Come I don't on. think that at all. No, no. that's no not way. what we said. You straw man us. No, he's strong. Okay. He's strong. Is there one more way? thing? There Thank one you, more Jim. Thing? I do have one more thing. These guys know what it is. It's uh, basically what are you listening to, and who do you want to listen to with? You're you're walking into heaven, and you're you got a song that's playing for all of humanity to hear. Who are you walking in with, living or dead, and what are you hearing? Man, I'm walking in with my wife. Period. And I'm listening to Weak Sometimes by Devin Ballroom. 
D-E-V-I-N-B-A-L-R-A-M. You can go to noisetrade.com slash Devin Ballroom. Nice. Um, yeah. Oh, man. The, the, whole, the entire song, all the lyrics are in the book. Um, whoever said it was wrong to be weak sometimes. So good. Now, because Scott wants to ask this, is, is there somebody else besides your wife? <laughs> no, you can't. You can't pick your wife. That's a rule of the game. Come on. Oh, is that a rule? Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. If there's anybody else, it's Garth Brooks, baby. I'm going nice. with Garth. <laughs> Ain't going down till the sun comes up. We're partying with Saint Peter. <laughs> Ain't going down. <laughs> oh man, I love you, Steve Austin. You're great. Oh man, I love you guys, all three of you. Thank oh, you. Oh, hey, hey. Speaking truth, Scott man. doesn't receive love very well. No, that's okay. <laughs> All right, so your credentials. Where where do we find you? I am Steve Austin. Dot is it org? Yeah, I am Steve Austin. Dot com. Dot com. Yeah. All right. Anything else? Uh, you can go to catchingyourbreath.com if you want all the information on the book. Um, you can if you go to, to catchingyourbreath.com. Uh, from there, you get all the basics. You can order the book from there. You can download the free study guide. Everything about the book is there. So I am Steve Austin. Dot com and catchingyourbreath.com. Thank you so much, Yeah, Steve. thanks a lot. Hey, appreciate the work you do. Really hey, congr- appreciate you. Congratulations and well done. Thank you, thank you, thank you. This was so much fun. I really appreciate it.